This is a Clock Shelves Podcast Network production. And welcome to another episode of Lost with Friends. And boy, oh boy, does it feel good and strange to say those words. Haven't said that in quite a bit. As always, I'm your host, Paul Casey. And um, we'll tell you what this is in a moment. But gotta reintroduce the two people that are joining me today. Go ahead, fellas. Reintroduce yourselves. Uh, Holy crap. Welcome back, everybody. It is Jake Wolken, a.k.a. Mr. Lostpedia, brushing off that title. And also, conspicuous by his absence on the finale, the powerhouse of podcasting Kevin Zane, back here for a little epilogue. That is true. I'd like to first point out... You chose that, Kev. You chose not to be on the finale episode. So I don't want it sounding I like I left you off of that <laughs> finale because I tried to get damn near everybody on that thing. Um, yeah, that, that is true, but only because I knew we had this in the tuck. We did. We are covering, as you said, the epilogue, the new man in charge. And um, there's nobody that I could think of other than you two to uh, kind of wrap this whole thing up for me, with me, I should say, because, um, I mean, you guys were there pretty much from the beginning. You guys were, I mean, we'll get into it, you know, later on. And we did, you know, some of it in the actual finale thing, uh, you know, but um, you guys have been there, like I said, pretty much from the very beginning, um, Jake, episode three, Kev, somewhere mid-season one. I don't remember the exact episode number. I know which ones it was. But, yeah. Um, and so, and then pretty much any time, except for once with Jake, but we've talked about that at length across various things. Um, but anytime I needed you guys or, or requested you guys for pretty much any episode, you were there. And so to sort of wrap the, the whole thing up with the new man in charge, I... Uh, I couldn't think of anybody else to have. So thank you guys once again for joining me on the show. <sighs> you know, my, uh, my mom and a lot of moms have this uh, saying, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Same logic here and now. <laughs> um, I would assume that Jake and I uh, were one in two in number of appearances on this show. I, I don't know that for sure. Have you ever done the math, Paul? I haven't. I'm pretty uh, sure Jake has, though. <laughs> I I did up until, like, mid-season six, and then I had forgotten about it, and I wasn't sure where I left off. I That's got to be correct. That, I, that has to be correct. The only other person I can think that might be up there would be Liam, because he hopped on a lot in season three because there was a there was a time where it was I couldn't get anybody I was trying to pump out multiple episodes a week over exhausting myself I know you guys both remember that time in my life uh and in the life of this show but um it was you two Liam and I believe Andy Cornforth were pretty much if there's a season three episode there's a high chance one of the four of you at least are on it (laughs) 
I know for a fact this, I, I did 15 episodes proper, fittingly enough, 15 episodes, and this will be my 16th. Wow. Nice. Um, so as we talked about uh, briefly before we started recording this, this was uh, a bit a bit strange for me to uh, to get back into the Lost with Friends mode, because as you both know, um, and as many of the listeners may know, uh, the new show that we do here on Clock Shelves, MCU and Me, I don't really take notes on. I prepare some things, but I don't really do like detailed breakdown, moment by moment notes. It's more of a sort of free flowing discussion. So um, it was it was kind of interesting to uh, to go back into this sort of uh, production mode for me. Um, I'm sure you both have your notes ready to go. I know you guys tend to come prepared with a lot of this stuff as well, correct? Yep. Of course. So um, is there anything that we want to talk about in preparation for this or sort of before this epilogue, or do we want to get right into the new man in charge? Well, I just want to say that I'm very much looking forward to just hearing your voice, Paul, recap this brief little mini episode epilogue whatever you want to call it and give us all the details and then let us comment on them i'm just i can't wait to hear it it's gonna be a good time (laughs) so for the last the real last time (laughs) so as always um i might stop i might you know you guys i know you guys know how this goes it's been quite a while so please forgive me if i'm a teensy bit rusty um but if there's anything stop me at any point as i know you both will if you feel the 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 desire to um so do we want to get right into it yeah do it all right so everybody be like me and uh crack open your dharma beers and uh Let's get into the new man in charge. We start out with a very old printer making a label marked Dharma Peas. An on-screen lower third graphic tells us that we are in the, quote, Dharma Logistics Warehouse. I'm going to tell you guys, I tried looking up how it's pronounced. I could, I found various ways, so I'm just going to go with Orote Peninsula? Orote? I'm not quite sure. Guam the present either of you have any idea how that's pronounced because you guys are are a bit more uh, of the world than i am in terms of travel <laughs> and and things like that any idea none a road sounds good to me yeah. okay guam guam yes guam. <laughs> it's, it's guam it's we are day. going to guam <laughs> yeah <laughs> present day we should is in this sense 2010 Yes, yes. Yes, August 24th, 2010. Two men. um, Had to look it up. I don't remember them being named on screen, maybe in an on-screen credit, but uh, Lostpedia credits them as Hector and Glenn. Uh, They are loading boxes and pallets and things. Glenn asks about the peas, but Hector tells him it'll be another hour, and he doesn't know why Glenn is always in such a big hurry. But Glenn points to something coming off another printer and mentions how they're going to miss their launch window. Ben Linus then interrupts them as he approaches the men. They're confused and ask who he is and how he got there. 
Ben puts his bag on the table, introduces himself with his actual correct name, and claims to be from the home office. Hector is even more confused, claiming that no one from the home office has ever visited. Ben reassures them that there's a new man in charge and that this man has sent Ben. Ben goes on to say that he was sent to tie up some loose ends before telling the men that they're no longer needed, the place is closing down, and they may leave. That sounds like uh, something you say to someone when you're about to kill them, like tie up loose ends. (laughs) Makes it sound like, yeah, like they're a liability and you're here to clean up a mess. And maybe old Ben, that's how he would have handled it. Yeah. But this is new Ben, and he clearly has a new sense of style, too, if you notice this outfit he's wearing. I mean, I've said it before. I've said it many times. Uh, Ben, one of my absolute favorite characters, and and just like you noted, uh, Kev, once again, another kind of, I mean, obviously, one might say the final step in his uh, evolution here. But, um, you know, just to think that this is the guy who we knew as Henry Gale and then, you know, the, the mass, what we thought at the time, the master manipulator of the others and, you know, going to take control of the Island. And now it's this guy, you know, it's very, very uh, strange, but very humbling for Mr. Linus here. I think. And you're going to see that a lot uh, in the Walt scene too. I, I thought the same thing. Paul, I was like, wow, this is a little bit of a different side of Ben when, when he was having the discussion with Walt that we'll, we'll be discussing shortly. Ben number two. Yeah. Um, so Hector mentions how uh, the two of them have been doing this for 20 years with Glenn following up asking what they're supposed to do now. And Ben hands them both large packets of money, informing them that this is their severance pay and that with it, they can do whatever they'd like. Glenn asks if Ben works for Dharma, but Ben informs them that Dharma hasn't existed in almost 20 years. And I thought that was interesting that they've been doing this for almost 20 years, but Dharma hasn't really existed for 20 years. So I I kind of wondered, and of course, you know, oh, some questions won't be answered. We know that. We knew that going in, especially going into this epilogue, because we'll get into sort of the production and release of it. But obviously we had seen the finale by this point. Um, at least I hope you would see the finale before watching the epilogue. Um, but we knew certain things wouldn't necessarily get answered and weren't answered. But I kind of wonder who sort of in the last days, maybe, or last year or so of Dharma recruited these guys, yet within probably that year or so, that's when the Dharma initiative went away, whether it was via the purge with with you know, Ben and the others on the island or even everybody on the mainland. Like when, when did, when were these guys recruited in relation to when Dharma went away? Cause we know um, Desmond was technically recruited into Dharma post Dharma actually existing. So I kind of wonder how this happened for these two guys. Guys ready for a theory. Always. Wayne, you're going to love this. And if he tweets about it, I know I've gone somewhere in life. So uh, I think, you know, the purge happens. And uh, Dharma on mainland in Ann Arbor, Michigan, was like, huh, well, we've got nobody on this island. Clearly, that did not turn out well. Failed project. 
let's just move on to something else. There is somebody, like Paul kind of mentioned, that hired uh, Hector Glenn, sent him to Guam, said, this is your responsibilities, you do that. This person, I believe, was on mainland and moved on to the next step of their life. And I think that eventually they woke up one day and said, oh, shit, I forgot about Hector and Glenn. And (laughs) many, many years later, (laughs) like they didn't feel the need to say, all right, we're going to stop with the whole Dharma project. Everyone on the island's dead. We should also cut Hector and Glenn loose. Didn't do that. Hector and Glenn kept working like everything was a okay. But I think that person who was responsible for Hector and Glenn did remember many, 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 many years later. <laughs> well, see, here's the, I mean, I, I don't dislike your theory, but here's the strange thing, because the, uh, not, not only on the island, but as we saw with the lamppost, the others took over the, uh, the Dharma stations, like off island yes, as well. So like, what's the, cause if these guys were others, they would obviously know who Ben was. At least there's a high chance that they would know who Ben was. But why didn't the others take over this? Maybe they liked getting the pallet drops every once in a while? I'm sure yeah. they helped. <laughs> and <laughs> you, can't, you can't think about it too much because, you know, uh, it's not like they're they're making and growing all of the, this food, these peas and whatnot, all on their own. These are obviously canned products. Who's paying for these canned products? Like, they got, they have to come from somewhere. Somebody's got to be paying them. Somebody's got to be paying Hector and Glenn. So who's paying them? You can't think about it too much. It'll drive you insane. I mean, you saw the fat stacks that were in those envelopes, too. The others have money. You saw that suit Ben's wearing. They got money. So uh, they could definitely <laughs> financially keep I guess Hector and Glenn going for you know, however long. Plus Hurley, I assume. Yeah, didn't did he give all that money back technically, or does he still have it? Oh, he has to still have it. I'm sure he's still got it. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he. he so, fed that, that's that where into I, the, into that's there, where yeah. I assume the uh, severance packages came from, at least. Well, we know that the others. We've talked about it on the on the show before. We know the others have money because. How else could they get like fake things so that Richard could travel, um, Ethan could travel, and the, that they have this sort of network of people off island anyway? You know, Widmore clearly was doing business dealings that he had a gigantic fortune. And, you know, we know the one woman had like her butcher shop. So that we know that there's some sort of connection of others and, and money off island anyway. So. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they if the others were somehow still funding this. I just think it's funny that, you know, it was I like I said, I just thought it was kind of like funny, interesting that the 20 years thing lined up for when Dharma stopped versus when these guys kind of started. It's a deeper, darker criminal link. <laughs> um so Hector, of course, so, so Ben, as I said, Ben informs them that the Dharma Initiative hasn't existed in almost 20 years. Uh, Hector doesn't believe him, claiming that they've continued getting messages, but Ben counters that it's automated from the lamppost station in L.A. Uh, but no one has been there since these two men have started. Slight lie, of course, considering the fact that Eloise Hawking has been there. So Ben hasn't 100% changed. Lie for the good, maybe, but still lying. Uh, but that's why he is going around, uh, per the man in charge, 
uh, quote, closing up shop, unquote. Glenn is confused by the name Lamp Post Station, but Ben smiles, realizing that he may have said too much, and he asks the men to lock up and turn the lights off. But as he starts to leave, Hector demands answers, and Ben tells them that they each get one question, so make it count. So fantastic line here, and it dives, I think, a little bit into the background of of why there is an epilogue and everything like that, too. So the line that we deserve answers. Uh, A lot of Lost fans feeling that way after the finale. We deserve answers. We didn't get them. And uh, the powers that be always said, and, and we've talked about this a bajillion times over, that Lost was about the characters, about their arcs, about how they interact with each other and how they're, you know, getting through things, all that. And that's what the finale was. And so it stuck to what they always said the show was. But they realized, yes, they created giant mythology and that uh, there were still answers that need or questions that needed answers out there. And so the epilogue was supposed to be kind of that here's some answers for you. You know, it's, it's, it's focused on the answers, you know, there's going to be some questions asked, or you're going to see some things that will answer some questions you've had. They didn't get answered in the finale. Here you go. That's the, the fan service for the mythology uh, people like, like you and I, Paul. Well, and especially because they had said for at least most of season six, that, you know, yes, Walt will be coming back and and things like that. And obviously by the time the finale happened, he hadn't. And then somewhere along the line, Carlton Cuse is quoted as saying, uh, I'm I'm, I'm not going to get the exact quote, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but something along the lines of, before all is said and done, Walt will be back. And obviously as we, as you know, it was mentioned, he will be here. We will see him in this, uh, in this epilogue. Um, and I think that's part of what it was, was that there were certain things, like you said, that they didn't necessarily, whether it was things that they didn't fit or somehow or another, they just wanted to get these answers out there that instead of just saying them, it was, well, let's do this fun sort of thing. like you said, fan service sort of thing. And, you know, obviously there are many more. The one we continuously come to on this show is the outrigger scene um but uh you know i i I do like and we'll get to them momentarily but i do like you know some of the uh the answers that we that we got here i like the fact that this exists for as you said jake these sort of fan service reasons it's really funny you bring up the quote about uh carl taku saying uh walt will be there before all is said and done he actually said that at the Times Talks live. Did any of you guys go to that or see that? Negative. I did not. So uh, this was four days before the finale. Uh, I think it was the New York Times. They they decided they were going to show at some movie theaters a live interview with some of the, I think some of the cast was there, uh, the powers that be were there and stuff, and were asking them, questions and i went to this actually the only theater in michigan that was playing it was in uh lansing the state capital which is about an hour and 15 minutes from where i live 
And I took a girl on a first date there, actually. <laughs> uh, she she liked Lost for what it was worth. It was a, a good first date because she was actually uh, semi-interested, not as like deep as us three or a lot of people that we know. But she was actually somewhat interested in the show. And we just had kind of started dating at that time. And I said, hey, you know, there's this thing in Lansing. I, you know, it's the only place that we could go, and I'm a you know huge fan. And do you want to go? And and she actually said yes, and so uh, we we did that and saw that in the theater. And I remember that quote uh, that Carlton said, Walt appearing before all is said and done. You know, the finale was only a few days later, and of course emotions high after the finale. I completely forgot about that quote, so like it didn't hit me until. I saw this epilogue that, oh, hey, there's Walt. Oh, yeah, they did say that Walt would be seen before all is said and done. And so that they lived up to that promise. I, I didn't even think about it, you know, in May during the finale or even after the finale until I saw this epilogue. I didn't know about that. I, I would have been very interested to see it had I known. And uh, maybe I'm just forgetting and I did know and I couldn't make it. Uh, wherever it may have been, but yeah, I, that's something I definitely, you know me, I would have been there. If it's yeah. a movie theater, yeah, you would have been there. I'm <laughs> surprised. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So, a little behind the scenes uh, thing here, behind the microphone, I suppose. I don't want to give too much away, but during the finale recording, or, or something with the finale, it might have been left in the episode, I, I really don't remember. Somebody, I think, mentioned having i want to say it was tracy but i'm i, I don't don't say that I, i'm not exact on that but i want to say it was tracy said that they were somewhere and snuck out of somewhere to go see that thing playing because i guess they simulcast that right and like that was uh i'm pretty sure that was tracy i think i'm gonna second that yeah hesitantly second that that I remember. I think you left it in, and if you didn't leave it in, then it was on the recording you and I did because I do remember someone <laughs> saying that. Yeah, I can't imagine Tracy sneaking out. <laughs> I I feel like for Lost she would do some sneaking or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, no, this is uh, we're we're going deep three months ago <laughs> into my mind here, but I I remember Paul. You're not crazy. Okay. Okay. So. As we said, uh, that Ben tells them that they each get one question, so make it count. So I have to ask you guys, and you know, obviously we have a lot more info than these two gentlemen have. Um, whether it's something that these guys would have asked or whatever, or just overall about the show, I'm going to ask you two. What is one question that if you were in front of Ben, or even say Damon and Carlton, What's one question about Lost that you might ask? What the fuck? <laughs> All I can think of is that uh, TikTok now. Thanks. Uh, yeah, bro. What the fuck? <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of torn, and I think it's because I just watched The New Man in Charge, and I was actually briefly discussing this with somebody on a Facebook Lost group, and uh, it's, it's Walt. It's... You know, that's a that was a missed opportunity ball drop with his storyline. And, and where did 
Damon and Carlton really see that going. Like, let's say, because they always hide behind the excuse of, Walt grew up too fast. You know, Malcolm David Kelly, like, you know, he grew like 10 feet and got a deep voice, so we just really couldn't have him around. All right, but let's say, like, he didn't do that. He didn't grow six feet, didn't get a deep voice, and you decided to, like, keep him around. Like, what was a a long-term plan with him? Like, what ideas were were for Walt's storyline. I mean, though I'm also torn because, like you just brought up, Paul, the outrigger scene. But I'm really afraid if somebody put, like, a gun to Carlton and Damon's head and said, outrigger scene, tell me, they would just hide behind, like, the um, semi to non-canical uh, answer of it was somebody on, what, one of Hanzo's boats or something that was seen in the DVDs or, you know, I'm afraid they would hide behind that one. But uh, so I'm torn. I don't know if I want more answers on Walt, Outrigger. We got the DJ Dom answers, so that one's <laughs> off the table now. Um, otherwise, that probably would have definitely been it. Assuming you were talking about like behind the scenes facts and what was the plan for this, um, and not like something related to the mythology. Whatever of, it of could the be, island. it could be, it could be anything. In my, like in this in this hypothetical where you are whether it's at a Comic-Con or, you know, you just happen to see them in the street or whatever. In this hypothetical, you get to ask them, or, you know, you could even ask a character, you know, in this, because if it's a hypothetical, why not? You could ask a character about, like, their, you know, why did you do this versus that? Because trust me, if I ever confronted Jack Shepard, I'd ask him a bunch of questions because <laughs> we all know my feelings on him and his choices. Um but no, any and like I'm just wondering what kind of like walking away from this. Obviously, we still have to finish recapping this, but sort of walking away from this, what questions you might still have, and what might be the sort of at the top of your list. Uh, well, let me preface this by saying that after watching the fin- beings, I didn't get to comment on the finale. After watching the finale, I was completely satisfied. I didn't feel like I needed any other answers or explanation or anything of the sort. I was happy with what I had and that was fine. Take it from there. The only, at that point in this time, this few months in between, uh, the end and the new man in charge, my question would have been the same as Jake's is like, well, what happened to Walt? Like, can we get a little more on that? But then we did. So now I really don't have any questions, but if I was forced to come up with one, uh, if I were to talk to Damon and Carlton in real life, I would want a little more, um, explanation as to where they wanted Mr. Echo to go. That would be, that was actually going to be mine was what's the whole deal with Mr. Echo. Cause we've theorized, or at least I have uh, in particular on the show about how some of his uh, character stuff. And I think they even commented on it when we went to see the concert, how some of it was kind of split between Ben and Desmond and just sort of the, the, even the kind of behind the scenes falling out, I suppose with uh, Adewale and yeah, that probably would be my top thing as in terms of like behind the scenes and what, what could have been with a character it would probably be echo as well. Had he not wanted off the Island, both literally and figuratively, um, you know, where, where was that going to go? Yeah. So Glenn, back to uh, the new man in charge, Glenn, the question he wants to know is where they've been sending the pallets. And Ben simply responds, an island. And Glenn follows up asking how this is possible as the coordinates change. And Ben, once again, responds rather simply with, the island moves. 
But as Glenn tries to ask a follow-up to this, Ben shuts him down, reminding him of the one-question agreement. Of course, technically, he asked two, but we'll let him get away with it on the basis of he added one word to the answer. Um, Can I just say, Michael Emerson is having the time of his life in this little role that he has here. I just, I feel like just the way he's saying things, the way he's saying question and island, like he just seems to be having so much fun with this. Well, how could you, I mean, realistically, so, you know, it's the new man in charge, which is as, you know, Hurley, basically, we know that some, some theorize that it could be referring to Walt as we'll get to at the, at the end of this. This is Ben's piece, pretty much, this whole little epilogue, or at least most of it, right? Like, I think we can, we can agree. As much as Michael Emerson tends to steal whatever scenes he's in, I would definitely argue the new man in charge, obviously, Hurley and or Waltz, depending on your sort of theories about what happens post the epilogue in your own headcanon. But the actual, in terms of on screen, this is all about Ben. Am I wrong? I wouldn't disagree. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. But my point in saying that is that think of you're an actor who's worked on this show for five or six years or however long it was. And they're like, all right, I know we did the finale. We shot everything. But we got this one other little thing. You got to come back and and do this, do this shoot, this one or two days, however long it took to shoot. I can see a lot of actors being like, oh, God, like, really? More? Like, no. (laughs) You could see that clearly wasn't the case here. He's having fun. Yeah, actually, so uh, we just learned this little knowledge nugget back in May because, uh, you know, it was the 10th anniversary, 10-year anniversary of the finale, and Joe Garfine from Cancer Gets Lost did interviews with Jorge Garcia, Michael Emerson, and Bobby Monahan. but both Jorge and Michael said that they filmed this actually concurrently with the uh, finale. All right, well, that makes a little more sense. I just think... <laughs> Uh, Michael Emerson knew like that's the Ben real everybody loves when he puts the emphasis on those words and when he is that mysterious because he did that he went on some like talk shows I can't remember which of the late night hosts he was with but they had him read I think it was either like a children's book or something like that they said yeah they like throw it in the Ben line is creepy voice and of course like you know he nails it he could do it no problem so I think like he knows this is this is how I got to do it, especially because like uh, Ben, you know, we, we know him for for many seasons now. But uh, for these two guys here, this is the first time they're ever meeting Ben Linus. And he knows that. So he's like, "Ooh, I get to put on the charade of I'm this mysterious character. We as the fans get to see it again. Uh, because we haven't seen it. We've been seeing a uh, beaten Ben. We've been seeing a redeemed Ben, crying Ben, all these other Bens for, for several seasons. But now, like, you know, for the, you know, for their first time, for, for Hector and Glenn's first time. And, you know, for us again, we get to see very mysterious, creepy Ben. And I wouldn't want it any other way. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. True. So we then get to Hector Uh, who wants to know if they are in Guam, the island is somewhere in the tropics, why would they need polar bear biscuits? And he he mentions a a polar bear singular, and it's here that Ben corrects him that it's actually plural. 
which is just such to go along with what Kevin said, which kind of sparked what we just mentioned. It's just such a Ben ism where he'd be like bears, plural, like, <laughs> nah, uh, uh, it's bears, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Um, Ben then gets a DVD out of his bag and asks if they have a player. And this is sort of when we, we switch. So I, w- I would definitely say this uh, epilogue is split into three parts. I think we can all agree with that. There's the scene with, I mean, yes, there's a little bit of it kind of towards the end of this, but it's very much Ben with uh, Hector and Glenn. Then there's what we're about to discuss, which is the orientation video. And then there's the, you know, Ben and, and Walt sort of thing. Personally, I like the way that they that they did this, where it wasn't just one character sitting there and kind of opening a book and saying, here's the answer to this, here's the answer to this. Because I feel like this very much is within the world of Lost, even though we're not necessarily seeing a flashback or whatever. This is how we got information at various points. We saw characters watch these orientation films and and you know we would then see them switch to somewhere else and uh i I, personally i like the way they did this i don't know why they came up with it this way other than that it fits in with the show or or whatever but i i do like that they sort of split it up into these three these three uh sort of segments here it was very true to the show. That, I mean, that's for sure. Like you said, we always got the little information dumps by watching the orientation films. So it only makes sense that we get the same right here. So to go along with that, a moment later, the disc starts up as Ben puts a granola bar in his pocket before opening one to eat now. And he proposes that they watch the disc and then they all leave. And the other men agree. And Ben apologizes for the quality, saying it was transferred from an old Betamax. And I always wonder if a young Jake Wolken knew at the time what a Betamax was. Because we know me, 65-year-old man, Paul, has always known. And I know Kev has known because he's very old school as well. But I always wondered if a young or even current Jake Wolken knows what a Betamax is. <laughs> right, yeah. Does even does Jake Wolken now know what a Betamax is? Uh, a little bit. And at the time, uh, uh, did I have ever used one or anything like that? Held one, looked at one, and dead in, you know, I don't, I can't say I, I have. Uh, so a little bit. Um, and back then, too, the same. I knew it was an old, old video format of, of some sort. <laughs> My question is, and it's not, does Jake Walken know what a Betamax is? It's who actually transferred all these to DVD? Ooh. Like I said, you can't, like, yeah. when, when Hector and Glenn say, we deserve answers, it was representative of the audience, but I think it was representative of the worst part of the audience. Like I said, I was completely happy. I'm just putting my tongue firmly on the side of my cheek when I ask who's transferring these DVDs. It's not important. Who cares? No, but I like the fact that there is someone who did that. Like, you know, <laughs> don't know who it is. Don't care. Like you said, it's not important. But just to think that there is someone out there who did this. <laughs> I feel like that would have been around this time. What I was doing in my life, doing some little bootleg DVDs. That would have been my job in the, the new the new island, the new Dharma initiative or whatever. You know, I would have gladly taken that job and come come to live on the island.
All right. And now I'm just thinking about, like, Kevin on the island. They tell him what he's about to do, and he's like, the newspaper ad said, I'm going to save the world. So uh, <laughs> what the hell here? <laughs> you want me to do what? That's not what I signed up for. Though, again, not that he'd have a problem with it. He's like, all right, well, you know, just give me some popcorn and, you know, some snacks and stuff. And I'll sit and watch these and transfer all the data over. But I don't think this is saving the world, guys. You might want to revise that newspaper ad. Sorry, go on. As long as I was getting paid and I was <laughs> I had that to do, I'd have been perfectly content. And again, we know we know they got the money. You would have been opening those envelopes, been like, Yeah, I think this is enough. This should cover costs. Exactly. I get a suit like that though, right? Right, Ben? <laughs> yeah, get me a, a suit like Ben's and a, and a Dharma jumpsuit, which I've always wanted and still may buy at some point down in the future. Oh hell yeah. Building upon that Kevin, would you be watching at the Pearl Station? Would you want to set up like that? Oh, my fi- my favorite station? Maybe, um... Pearl. I feel like if, if Kevin was in the Pearl Station, depending on when this was, he'd at least ask if on one of those TVs he could get, like, the Patriots game in. Because we know they could get sports. <laughs> we know for a fact they could get sports because they've gotten the Red Sox for Jack. So I feel like out of the, what was it, nine monitors or 12 monitors or something in the Pearl? At least one of them. Yeah, I feel like he would he would specifically ask to get at least one to feed him the Patriots game. Yeah, that would be perfect, actually. Sitting in front of all, <laughs> yeah, the, all those like, screens. Uh, can, we, uh, can we get Guam to ship over some uh, new chairs in the next supply drop, too? <laughs> uh, underground, nice and cool. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would actually be... I was thinking the swan, because the swan obviously... Oh. But, uh... You know, no screens in the swan, right? None. Yeah, so. Pearl it is. I feel the pearl is too constricting. Well, it's not like he's got to, like, he's imprisoned there. You know, he can get out, you know, go walk around, whatever like that, but... Well, no, but, but like, I get the swan, because, like, there's way more space. There's, like, a, a space where you could be on, like, the stationary bike. There's the little, like diner booth thing to eat there's the ping pong table there's a completely separate room where like the computer is and all that sort of stuff the pearl it's you go down that gigantic ladder and then it's just like one room and a bathroom swan's not even an option it imploded what are we talking about (laughs) well it's a yeah i guess I was going to say, it depends on when they transferred these from beta to DVD. Was it pre or post crash? Did they just have these sitting around somewhere? I mean, it reeks of Hurley. Like, that's... (laughs) (laughs) Put these on. But at the same time, so I mean, uh, what is it? So 2010, let's say. uh, I don't know. Would these have been... Was Blu-ray around? When did uh, Blu-ray, English Jake, Blu-ray start hitting the market and everything? Oh, it was definitely that was definitely before 2010, because I remember Blu-ray versus HD DVD being a thing when I was in high school and I graduated in 2000. So, yeah, no, I know it was definitely. uh... Yeah, that's what I thought. So would they have just gone with the standard transfer to DVD or would Kevin been like DVD? How old are you guys? Like, no, no, no. Let's let's go. Let's take it. Let's do like some 4K over here or something like well, the the original source is only so good a quality in the first place. So, 
So it really wouldn't matter. It's going to look the same no matter what upgraded format you. Okay, good point. <laughs> and uh, let me just say, Paul, if you could see the room that I actually work in uh, five days or more a week, you would understand why the pearl would actually, in some cases, be, be an upgrade <laughs> okay. and very fitting. But see, then again, I've. I- I don't want to say anything too revealing. I've slightly seen some of your setup where sometimes you do have multiple screens. So I suppose, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's very fitting. <laughs> so we uh, begin to see the now classic orientation intro as we are getting Station One, the Hydra. And I have to ask this. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask both of you. I'm assuming Jake has the answer right at his fingertips, though. Did we know before this definitively that Station 1 was the Hydra or that the Hydra was Station 1? Or was that something that was never, like, officially confirmed? We knew some of the numbers for some of the stations. And I know people had, like, assumed some numbers somewhere along the line. But did we definitively know before this that Hydra was Station 1? Well, let's do process of elimination. So 2 is the arrow. Uh, We saw uh, Pierre Chang start to film that one back in Season 5. Uh, so we knew then that that was two swan. You know, we knew that was three from that orientation. Uh, flame we knew was four. That was from the uh, blast door map. So that was season two. Uh, so we knew that one. Pearl was five. We saw that in its orientation film season two. What's station six? The orchids. So we knew that from its orientation film and station four. So, well, process of elimination. But at the same time, too. There are are other stations that don't have numbers. So could we have for sure said Hydra was one or what about Looking Glass or, you know, any of the uh, the staff, you know, anything like that? That doesn't have a number. So that could have been one. So this was the confirmation that it was was one out of six. Okay, And it also kind of gives you the information that they built off uh, Hydra Island first. Assuming it was done chronologically, that is, or numerology, what would be the word? Anyway. Numerologically. <laughs> yeah, that. Um, assuming they did it in that order, uh, it would show you that they built off Hydra Island first. Yeah. Well, especially considering the next piece of information that we get which is Dr. Chang greeting us with his proper name. And we get a huge answer here, uh, fan service, as we commented on, when he tells us how his name should not be divulged for security, and if it is, he'll have to use an alias. Which that is a little funny behind-the-scenes joke as well. So the first time we ever get an orientation film, Swan, that was actually filmed at uh, some uh, set that was uh, from season four and five of Alias. Yes. I like that. I think it's dumb the reasoning they gave him for here's why he has so many different names. I don't often say that I think an answer is dumb within this series. I think this was a dumb answer, in my opinion. Is it? Meant to show that, like, 
people just couldn't keep a secret. Like, they were out just that, that divulging names and sharing information when they weren't supposed to show in this orientation film. Like, if they were actually trustworthy. Oh, like some sort of test? Yeah, like, like you know, if, you know, people start getting his name and knowing his name or any of his aliases, you can trace back where that came from by who was shown the video. But wasn't he, whenever he would walk around the barracks and, like, people know, hey, that was Dr. Chang, like, it it wasn't really a secret, I think, within that Dharma Initiative. Been, yeah, that may have been later down the, the road, though. Like, we oh, only gotcha. saw from 74 to 76, we, you know, everything was already built at that point, right? So this was obviously in the process of when everything was first being built. Yeah, but then he still uses, can, was it Candle, in the orientation, and that's post that's him having yeah. his arm ripped off. Well, they're, they're keeping it going to see who's trustworthy. Maybe I don't. Know. It's just that this is that's partly why I thought it was. I mean, it's a nice answer within the cons the context of the show. I just think it's kind of a dumb one. I I, I would have actually preferred they didn't answer it, and it's just oh, it's funny. It's all different candle puns for his name. Um, but then again, they could to go along with this orientation video. Your answer could be correct, uh, Kev, because he goes on to say how this station is to, quote, conduct biological and behavioral research on various animal, bird, and marine life, unquote. As we hear the Hurley bird, as the fans have called it, Chang comments on how genetic mutation may be asked for at the station. These birds, called high birds, uh, will be released and monitored to the surroundings and properties of the island. Uh, other tasks include polar bear studies for the electromagnetic research, and he specifically mentions not forming an attachment to the bears, nor should their intelligence be underestimated. The bears are not your friend. Uh, the bears get their treats, then after completing a task, are tranquilized, tracked, and transported to the orchid station for further study. And Chang also notes uh, that the females must not be pregnant as the electromagnetic electromagnetic levels at the orchid are harmful and since animals are studied at hydra this means humans as well so i'm going to take a pause right here before we go into the humans part and talk about two of the answers or three of the answers i suppose that we just got in there but the humans study thing could go along with your thing kev about seeing who is and isn't trustworthy so i could i could to a certain extent agree with you there but we also, of course, get the answer on the Hurley bird, as I said, the sort of fan name given for these, uh, the high birds, as they call them. Um, and we get more info on the, uh, the concept of why the polar bears were there and just more answers about the electromagnetic energy, especially with regards to pregnancy. And I believe at one point, Jake, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe at one point... Um, Sam Donato mentioned in the finale discussion how there are certain things that aren't given as this is the answer to this question, but you can take certain elements from this episode and this episode and this episode and this epilogue and whatever and formulate 
here's the answer for this. Here's why women have a difficult time getting pregnant. Here's why Ben wanted to do so much research into women getting pregnant on the island. We never get a flat out answer, but from all these little bits of information, we can definitely extrapolate why that being, you know, the electromagnetic properties of the island, you know, presumably the release uh, at certain points of that energy and so on and so forth have caused various fertility problems. We don't get that straight up as an answer, but through all of those things up to and including this epilogue, we do get things where we can put the information together to have our answer. And I think that's one of the things that we've talked about it many times on this show and many times just in discussions that the three of us and various friends of ours have all had over the last several years about how people who say they never answered anything either weren't paying attention or didn't care enough to do it's it's not even a deep dive. It's literally just paying attention and retaining information to put together that some answers weren't spelled out for you, you know, word for word, it was you put two and two together to make four, this being another example of that. And it's sometimes a pretty it's, good, uh, oh, go ahead, Kevin. No, I just say he's saying two and two. Sometimes it's one and one and one and one to make four. Uh, but yeah, can go ahead, Jay. Yeah, Lost cover, uh, I like how Lost, uh, there were times where they flat out did give you an answer. Sometimes you had to put the two and two together, the one and one and one and one four, you know, all that, which is what you were just discussing here with the the pre, uh, pregnant women and electromagnetism and everything happening on the island. And then, yeah, there were some times you didn't get an answer at all, and then you get to let your mind wander, maybe, you know, pull from already existing material and answers to create your own theory as to what happened. So Lost covered all of that, and I think it's, uh, you know, another reason why it was one hell of a show fantastic show is that it wasn't just one of those three where they gave you no answers no they definitely gave us answers but not all of them and some of them yeah you did have to pay attention and uh we it was discussed as well that by the time you start to get to seasons four five and six it's really for the diehard fans like if you made it this far you must be one hell of a fan so they can start doing those things where, yeah, they don't have to give you uh, uh, an answer. Here is the answer. They can give you little hints and point you in the direction, but because you've been watching for so long and you know so much about the show, you get to connect the dots and you got the answer. Makes you feel really good as a person when you're like, oh, yes, that's why. It must be because this is that. Yeah, and I think you kind of used uh, the pregnancy problems as your example, Paul. Um, for me, it would be the polar bears. Like, they gave you everything you needed to know in the show. I didn't need to hear anything about the polar bears from the new man in charge because if you're paying attention, you already figured that out. Like, they used the polar bears to go down to the frozen donkey wheel to move the island. Like, they gave you pieces like Charlotte finding the polar bear uh fossil or bones and the collar in the desert, which was the same place Ben showed up after moving the island and finding out that you need to go into that frozen environment to move the island, which is why they have to be polar bears and not just regular bears. Like you can put all this together in your head. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Yep. Without them spelling it out for you here or then or whenever. Um, so that was one thing I didn't need to hear about was the polar bears. 
But then again, some people, you know, from episode one, well, how do you explain the polar bears? I, I had a, a, and I've talked about it before, and I am not with that job anymore. I'm not going to necessarily divulge names, but my former boss used to say to me every time I would mention Lost or, or something, you know, especially uh, very happily about it, he would always kind of counter with, from the moment the polar bear was there on a tropical island in the first episode, that's when I turned it off and said, nope, this isn't for me. <laughs> because and it was it was the most logically explained part of the show if you just pay attention. Yep. But anyway, um, as I said, uh, since animals are studied at Hydra, Chang mentions that this means humans as well. And he mentions the indigenous people, the hostiles, and how they are captured, sedated, and brought for research to room 23. He says, under no circumstances should workers engage with the subject, and that they're trying to understand the hostiles' way of life, their origins, and their mysterious island deity, Jacob. Uh, after the research, the hostiles are to be injected, have goggles placed over their eyes, and the screen and music turn on. We've, of course, uh, seen this video uh, and seen things hinted at it a few times throughout the show. This is the Room 23 video. I don't, I don't think it has like a proper name or anything. Um, and Chang comments loudly how the dreamlike quality combined with the drugs creates a sort of amnesia. And, of course, anybody who has survived quarantine, at least in the United States, now, at least I think... Uh, having uh, uh, done, whether it was a first-time watch for one of our people here, a rewatch like myself, uh, the fact that Chang and Amnesia are together, even funnier now, post-COVID and, and binge-watching. Uh, I got that. I got that. <laughs> I figured you would, sir. You guys you guys ever see the meme where like it's Leonardo DiCaprio and he's like pointing at the TV, it's from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. That was right. I was ah ah. Oh, yeah. I got that. Chagnesia. Yes. Um. And this conclu- that concludes the orientation film. Chang reminds us one last time not to discuss the experiments with others within the Dharma Initiative, and he isn't even through with his closing remarks before Ben shuts the DVD off, and Hector says the familiar line. I think we're going to need to see that again. However, Ben (laughs) claims that they are out of time. Hector wants answers about the bears in the hostels, but Ben simply tells them goodbye before saying he has another call to make, and he ends with the hand gesture by saying namaste, uh, hands together, and then he leaves. And that's the end of sort of parts one and two of this epilogue. And... You know, we got the Room 23 thing. We got sort of Ben cutting them off and saying, hey, you've gotten your answer to the one question I gave you. Um, I I mean, I think it was a little over-explained. I kind of go with Kevin's thing with, 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 with what he just said about polar bears. I think the Room 23 thing was a bit over-explained. I didn't need that much. I could have – it could have just been at like, okay, there's this weird video or whatever – um, what did you guys think about the sort of full explanation here of the Room 23 video and sort of what they were doing? Because at least as far as I remember, I don't think it was ever hinted at. I don't think there was ever anything where, like, the hostels said, 
that some of their people were missing other than that one time when Sawyer and his group shot them when they first joined the Dharma Initiative. I don't ever remember there being like an instance where it was mentioned, some of our people are missing. Oh, they mysteriously showed back up. Or on the other side of that, the Dharma Initiative even hinting at the fact that they were basically stealing uh, hostels and then giving them back. I feel like that was kind of just thrown in there out of nowhere here. Yeah, it never, uh, they never said if, if room 23 was being used on Dharma or the hostels, anything like that. And it was, of course, very odd because, you know, Hydra is, well, you think it's just, you know, animals, which I guess, yes, humans do count under that. So you don't really think that they would need to do any sort of human experimenting. So it was definitely, you know, when we were introduced to room 23, a kind of, what exactly is this about? Was it Dharma brainwashing their own people? You're right. Did, was it something that the others do? Was it something for the high? You, you just didn't know. And you're right. It was never really hinted at. So I was okay with the explanation. Was a little bit long-winded, sure. But uh, it all made sense after watching it. Maybe I'm not remembering quite clearly um, because it's been a decade. But with this, uh, with Room 23 in particular, um, it, this was more of just confirmation for me than any real explanation. You can kind of, there's another thing where you can just kind of figure out that this is what they were doing. Um, and it didn't require a big, long explanation. Um, um, one thing I could say about it is that uh, they obviously have to explain its existence. People know the Room 23 is there. And if you explain in the video that, oh, this is just for use on hostels uh, to, to wipe their memory or whatever the case may be, um, it explains why it's there. However, you also have the ulterior motive, the higher ups or whoever would decide who's going to room 23 to use that uh, on people who are actually learn too much about what was going on. It would also be used against them, but you have to acknowledge its existence for and, and its purpose, at least on paper. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but aside from that, like just a few other things like you see, uh, you know, I feel like I never cared about the Hurley bird. You know, some people made a big deal about Hurley bird and I never really cared. <laughs> I don't know about you too. Um, it's another thing that didn't really require uh, explanation. I did like seeing the bunnies with, with the numbers on them and how they had formed uh, a little maze the same way that uh, Faraday had for Eloise the rat. Um, so that was, the, and they, they don't mention that at all. You just kind of see it in the background. That was, might've been the coolest part of the whole video for me. <laughs> see, I always, so there was a theory going around and I may have discussed it on the show previously, but I always liked the theory that with, the Hurley bird. And obviously we know from the show that it didn't pan out this way. Um, but with the Hurley bird, with, um, Jorge having recorded the four, eight, 15, 16, 23, 42 thing, uh, as, as I know Jake and I have definitely discussed in depth on the show about how there, you know, could have been this time travel, whether, yeah, whether it was a time travel thing or just the fact that it was Hurley's voice that, Leonard heard, and then years later, Leonard heard him in the, you know, mental institution as well. That's, there's a nice little, you know, connection there. 
but then also the fact that the um, the thing in the uh, the looking glass was programmed by a musician and of course Hurley always had the guitar case I would have liked if they would have put that in the fact that Hurley maybe because there was a theory again before this came out there was a theory that I remember reading that you know oh maybe Hurley formed a connection with some birds in the 70s in Dharma that's why they said these birds mysteriously said his name you know, and then there was also theories. Again, he recorded the the numbers, and maybe he programmed the uh, the thing in the in the the looking glass. I would have liked it if they would have done something like that, as opposed to just oh, it makes this sound like the word Hurley, because that just seemed to go nowhere. They made a joke out of it in the finale where he's just like, oh, did that bird say my name? I think it would have been cool and like just a little like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, if it would have come back around that you know, Hurley made them do that. But I, like, I, I agree when it, if it was going to be nothing, then just let it be. It makes a weird sound that just happened to sound like Hurley. Yeah. Well, those two things you said, either one of those would have been cooler than what we actually saw. If I'm being honest. Yep. So seeing as we're out of those two things, we get to the sort of final part of this uh, epilogue. Sometime later, Ben enters Santa Rosa Mental Health Institute, and he asks to speak with Keith Johnson. When asked if he's on the visitors list, Ben says that he isn't, but he's sure Keith will want to see him based on a note. And the nurse reads the note, and moments later in the rec room, someone is playing Connect Four alone. Ben approaches and says hello to Walt. Walt questions why Ben is there, but Ben comments that a friend of Walt's sent him, and Walt doesn't believe that he has any friends. But Ben counters that even he, Ben, has friends, and Walt asks if Ben is there to kidnap him again. And we get, I know you guys commented earlier, but this right here is actually my favorite Ben moment of the entire epilogue, where Ben apologizes to Walt sincerely. He comments on how he cannot change the past, only take responsibility for it. He also tells Walt he understands the difficulties that Walt has gone through, pretending uh, to be someone he isn't. And he claims he's there to help Walt because Walt is special. He also mentions that no one has probably said that to Walt in a very long time. Walt questions what it means, but Ben says they have work to do, starting with helping Walt's father. Walt knows that his father is dead, which is very strange. Not sure how he got that information. Um, But Ben claims that he, Michael, can still be helped. And Ben shows Walt the granola bar that he took earlier. We're going to get one more final scene, but I'm curious if you guys have any uh, thoughts here. I like the, personally, I like the, as I said, that Ben scene or moment there in particular where he, it's one of the truest, you know, most apologetic moments we've ever seen from Ben. But uh, I like the Keith Johnson sort of thing, playing up on the Kevin Johnson, um, you know, uh, name that Michael used. I'm curious uh, your, your guys' thoughts on this this thing here with, with Walt before all is said and done, as, as we talked about earlier. I was going to let Jake take it. Oh, I mean, I think you, you, you said it all, Paul, is, is right. This is a very 
nice side of Ben, good side of Ben, a change side of Ben here. I, uh, I I truly did believe him. You know, he can't change the past. He's just going to take responsibility for it. He's sorry, and it's it's an understanding Ben. You know, he's not raising his voice or anything. He stays very calm. I like it, and I I, I like uh, I like thinking that okay, this is where Ben's character ended up going you know before ben eventually dies and hits the life of the flash uh, sideways um i did have i the same question that you brought up as how did how did he know that that michael was dead i don't know maybe it's his crazy mystical powers that unfortunately we'll never get answers about but uh, that's all i really had on the scene i think we might get answers at some point but uh we'll get to that uh, like you said paul this is a show that was based on the characters and the character development, um, and this is this is really the meat of this epilogue. We get we had a nice little appetizer, okay, and now we're getting into the main course. Uh, this this emotional moment with Ben and Walt and seeing Walt uh, for the first time in a very long time and knowing how important he was, is, or could grow to be. Um, and seeing that apologetic moment that builds on these characters, that's what you want to see uh, as far as what this show gives you. It, it encap- encapsulates that perfectly. Moments later, outside, Ben gets Walt to the Dharma van and he tells Walt to ride shotgun. As they get in, Hurley comments, dude, from the back seat. Walt is relieved to, uh, relieved to see his friend. Walt claims he always hoped someone would come back for him and that he believed himself crazy, but Hurley comments how Walt isn't crazy, not even close to it. He claims Walt just needs to get to the island because that's where Walt has always belonged. Walt doesn't understand, and Hurley mentions wanting to talk to Walt about a job. Hurley tells Ben to take them home. Ben starts the van as the three of them drive off. And this goes back to something we mentioned earlier. This is something, uh, I believe, Jake, you brought it up about not, you know, we get answers, we don't get answers, and sometimes we have to put things together to formulate our own answers. It's very much those sort of three things you come out of with these. I like the concept of we don't get an answer here. This is one of those few times where I like the fact that my mind gets to wander. Because you have your people, and I'm, I'm, I mean, you know, if you guys want to say what you think, that's fine. But I know there are some people, and I'm not saying that I subscribe to any of these theories in particular. But there are some people who believe that Hurley wants to pass the protector job onto Walt. There are some people who believe that Hurley has a different job in mind for Walt. And then there's just people who don't necessarily have a thought of it's just I don't know. And it's just, he wants him for some job. Who knows? Maybe that's a, I mean, obviously, you know, Ben sort of has that, that Richard role, or at least it seems like it, but there were other people. Dogen was, you know, sort of top tier in, in Jacob's, you know, like inner circle sort of thing. He had control basically over the temple. Um, and Richard knew about Dogen, so maybe that's sort of the thing that, that Walt had or, or whatever. There's, you know, endless possibilities, I think, because they don't give us the answer. And that's one of the things that I do like. And Kev, I know you kind of hinted at it, 
And, you know, if we want to talk about it, you know, yes, we can. But I know people constantly say, including Damon and Carlton, say ABC or Disney owns it. Chances are they're going to do something with it again, whether it's a remake or a sequel or whatever. I've made my thoughts on that clear, I think, throughout this podcast. If not, I've definitely said them in private to at least the two of you. But for right now, where we are 10 years later from this um, this epilogue and, and realistically the DVD being released or the box set, Blu-ray, whatever, being released, I like the fact that we still don't quite know what this job is that Hurley wants Walt for. Well, we've been sitting here and talking about this and calling it an epilogue. To me, uh, now that we see uh, and have discussed the way it ends, uh, especially given the musical cues of how it ends, uh, it's very much a cliffhanger. Uh, and, and very much a cliffhanger in the same uh, vein as Lost always did. So I get you don't end your finale proper that way. However, to put this out after the fact kind of let me know that they knew, the creators knew, that someday there was going to be more to the story. And I know how you feel, Paul. I don't have a problem with it as long as it's done correctly and well. Uh, And it focuses at least partially on these three characters who we end the series, uh, I don't know if we want to call it ending it proper, but the end end, <laughs> we see these three characters go off to now do their jobs, uh, whatever they may be. And I just, I have a feeling we're going to see that again one day. I'm with Kevin. Like, it's got to be done. It's It's got to be done right. Um, as much as, as close to the original as possible, I would love to see, like, a lot of the same directors or producers. I'm not saying it has to be Damon and Carlton. I know they've pretty much moved on, but uh, the same cast, you can't just go recasting Hurley just because we want to continue Hurley's storyline. To me, it's got to be Jorge Garcia. Same thing with the other characters. It's got to be done right. To a certain, again, I've, I think I've talked about this and, and I feel like it could be a whole thing like discussion within itself to a certain extent. I don't disagree. We know it wasn't just Damon and Carlton that did this show. We know that, um, you know, sometimes we refer to them by first name, but, um, Eddie and Adam Horowitz and, and Kitsis. No. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I know. I know I got the right name. The the last name. I don't know if I got them in the right (laughs) order though. Um, but Eddie and Adam, you know, kind of the, the, the seconds in, you know, in charge after Damon and Carlton and, and Jack uh, Bender, Jack Bender being, yes, of course, the director, um, you know, uh, executive producer. But, you know, if if some of those people signed on, even if it was a flat out remake, if they decided, you know, we're going to do the story over again, chances are I'll be there watching it for for good or for ill, I will be there watching it. Am I going to like it? Not necessarily. But am I going to like it if, even if Damon and Carlton came back, am I going to like it? I couldn't definitively say yes, because I feel like, yes, I, I understand, Kev. I know this was a cliffhanger. I'm kind of okay with that, 
because like you said, that's sort of what Lost always did. They ended the series proper, but I also think it kind of ties. So we know that, that uh, Damon and Carlton were and are big fans of Stephen King, and they would often reference uh, how the Dark Tower was such a big influence on this uh, series. And spoiler for anybody who hasn't read the series of, of books, and I'm not going to get it exactly correct, but basically the the way that that book series ends, it's like at the time it had been like seven or eight books, and it's mostly about one man chasing the man in black or something it's it's akin to the man in black and he had been chasing him across time and space and through dimensions and and everything else and he catches him he gets to the tower at the very end and you know whatever like it whatever happens and then it's over then you flip a few pages and then it basically says if you liked the ending don't necessarily read on and then he gets to a certain like you flip a few more pages and then basically you find out that he gets to like the top of the tower or whatever and he goes through a door and it restarts everything cuz it's a constantly like ev- you know it's it's like they're they're doing it's on a loop through time except you know maybe he has um, a, an item that he picked up, but he doesn't necessarily have the me- the memories of he chased the man across time and space and whatever. And it basically loops the entire thing. And it's, it's, it's as if they are always destined to one to chase the other. And I feel like ending the series proper with the end and then giving us this little cliffhanger is sort of their homage in a sense, not in terms of it's creating a loop, but just sort of their homage to the Dark Tower or other things that have done that where there is the end. And if you like the end, that's fine. But here's this little extra piece that ends on a cliffhanger. And we're not necessarily going to tell you, at least for 10 years, because that's what it's been. We're not going to tell you what comes next after that little cliffhanger bit. I like that. I'm OK. I'm perfectly OK with that. And it's again, it's in in it's fitting with what they do for this show and what those two do as writers and, and sort of their influences and things. Yeah. And I, I agree in, in a perfect world. Maybe you never hear or see anything about lost again. However, the fact that we are here 10 years later talking about this show and there are other podcasts out there, uh, oh, see, another, I hear, and here I thought I'm, I'm, I don't mean to cut you off, Kev. You know I love you, but here I thought you were going to credit a potential lost reboot based on this podcast alone. But then you had to go and <laughs> reference the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> there are uh, the, the charity auctions that are going on that are in in Lost Name. The all the, the several other podcasts which are bringing back cast members and and things like that to talk about this show. 10 years later, you don't see that with a lot of shows. You you just don't. So the fact that it has this lasting legacy and the fact that the IP itself is owned by one of, if not the biggest major uh, production studios, companies, whatever you want to call it in the world, they know that there's money to be made. And I, I, I don't want to fight against that because like you said, 
I'd be there. I'd be there day one to just see where it goes for good or bad. And uh, I don't want to I don't want to fight against it. I just want to see it done right. Well, see, and that's the problem is is done right is very subjective, which all art is, you know, and this show is. But that's the thing is done right, because done right for you might be one thing for Jake might be another and for me might be a third. I think we would find a consensus. I, like, I agree. Yeah. The, 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 people like us who, who who know this show and have the experience with this show in the way that we do, like, we'll, we'll know. Like, like, like I uh, think... for instance, uh, Giacchino, I think we're all in agreement that, uh, <laughs> that he'd have to come back, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and that would be hard to do because his star ha- has risen uh, so far above, you know, oh, yeah. just a regular, you know, 20-something episode uh, network TV series. And you rightfully know, so. <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. Um, and it's his, his work on this epilogue is part of the reason why I feel like that was, that was cliffhanger music. You know, it wasn't the, the lonely one piano note to, to just end it all on. It was the, the buildup that, and then the lost, you know, that's, that's what you do. When you're going to keep it going <laughs> and you got some more, <laughs> some more story to tell. Can you tell I'm not classically trained in music? I was going to ask you, I have this thing and you guys both know this where when somebody makes like a funny gesture or a funny noise, I will often say, how does that go again? And sometimes people will do it. And there's actually, I'm not going to divulge too much information, but there's a new girl at my work and she was pointing something out and she goes, a big thing. And she threw one of her arms up to demonstrate big and she threw her head back. And I'm like, what was it? And she did it like four more times before she realized that I was making, like teasing her. <laughs> and I, I, one of the bosses walked by and he knows because he'll make like a, you know, if he's doing something, he'll make like a funny sound effect. And I'll be like, what was that again? And it took him like maybe the third time over the course of several conversations before he realized that I was doing it just to see if he would make that noise again. I was going to do it to you, Kev, but then you kind of pointed it out on yourself. So <laughs> are you saying you want take two? We can do it. <laughs> um, I don't know guys. That was my, uh, my very last note here on, um, the new man in charge. Uh, I'm, I'm, <sighs> I don't want it to end. And see, here's the thing. So for anybody who didn't know, we did the finale. And oh my goodness, is that something that I am so proud of. I don't talk about that sort of stuff that often. You both know me. Most of the listeners know me on a personal level. I may say things sarcastically or whatever. I don't, realistically, I don't toot my horn too often. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that finale. I'm going to take a moment here. And again, I, we, but we all know I don't do this. I'm doing it. Cause Holy crap. Am I super (laughs) proud of that episode? Um, but I also knew that going into that, there was the epilogue and I knew we weren't going to discuss the epilogue on that finale and I knew that I had reached out to you two because as we commented on sort of at the beginning of this you know the only alternatives in terms of most appearances would have been as I said Liam and probably Andy Cornforth 
but I reached out to you two saying, you know, did you guys want to help me wrap this up? So I knew that there would at least be that one little bit of Lost with Friends left, you know, post finale. We took some time. I, I wanted to sort of step away from it for a little bit. Of course, we've launched the new podcast and, you know, um, I actually I have a new job and we all have things going on in our personal lives or whatever. But I knew at some point we would be coming back to do this, um, this epilogue. And it's a weird feeling because even going into the finale, much like many of us with the concept of the epilogue, we knew it wasn't the end, the end, because there would be that little, that extra little bit that would come out on the home release because of the epilogue and whatever. And Jake, I know you're going to have some, some uh, Lostpedia trivia facts for us and, and things like that, you know, before we, before we finish this, but it's a weird feeling for me. And I've, I've talked with you both about this. I probably said it in the finale as well. We've been doing this for, for three years and, you know, a little over three and a half ish years. And to a certain extent, I talked about this with Jake. I don't know if it's out there publicly yet. I don't think it is. I think it's still as of this recording. I think it's still only up on one of the Patreon tiers. And this is no hyperbole when I say this podcast helped to save my life because I was in a very, very dark place. Not going to go into it, but you guys can kind of extrapolate from that what that means. Very dark place. This finishing this podcast literally helped save my life. So it's weird to see it ending in this sort of way. And we, you know, and there's little ideas about some things where we, you know, lost with friends might pop, pop up here and there and whatever, but it's a weird thing. Obviously I wouldn't have it any other way than to have you two sort of wrap it up with me, but it's really weird to have it be over now, not to get too emotional. You guys know, I don't cry. That's like the, joke in our friend group i don't really cry at things but well, i get I... it paul i mean like <laughs> same boat myself someone that uh i i did jump on one of those finale recordings and uh you're right you know you had reached out to kevin and i and the, the plan was already in place when you were recording the finale and so I, I, you know, everybody, there were a lot of people and especially just for those that don't know, it was actually done over several recordings, uh, and, and combined all into one. So I was on one recording and we had maybe six other people. I mean, like it was a good sized group. And so by the time we finished, of course, they are all like, oh man, you know, this is coming to an end. It was all people that have been on previous episodes too. So I think it was kind of hitting them that they're not going to do this again. And this was going to be the last recording they heard. Now, Sam Donato though, he brought up several times the new man in charge and was kind of asking about it. You skirted around it every time. And I internally laughed about it, <laughs> but myself, I, again, That's, I, by the I, way, I, no I, zero disrespect to to Sam it was just no but you were keeping this a secret that's the thing so like you know you were you kind of wanted everybody to think that the end was the end and 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 so yes Sam was trying to get I think more out of you and you were just like nope next topic and like I'm laughing because again I knew that we were going to do this in in a few months from from the end and so I, I didn't have the feeling everybody else did of course at the end we were all like oh thank you Paul like you know we appreciate the hell out of you and and you, you rightfully so and and rightfully all the praise for everything that was done up to then but I'm just like 
I'm going to be doing this again <laughs> in three months. <laughs> you know, like, okay, it's not hitting me now, and nor should it hit me now because this isn't my end, you know, or, or my end with, with Lost with Friends. So now I am kind of feeling that a little bit too. Um, I don't know if we talked about this on the show, you know, but I write my notes. You you eventually, you know, cut this and say, all right, it's over. And I always crumple up a piece of paper that had my notes and I say another one in the books. And I did that for the end, but I mean, I'm going to do it again now and it, it will probably be the last time. I don't know. I'm just going to have to crumple paper every now and then on my own and just toss it into a, a bucket and say, all right, another one, you know, <laughs> another one, another one in the books. But yeah, so I'm kind of feeling that too is like, what this, this really is uh, a last episode rewatch. The last time we're going to get that, the analysis from you, breaking it down. It's crazy. Crazy. And <laughs> for me, uh, knowing there would be so many voices uh, on that finale episode, I kind of stepped away, knowing that we had this coming later, um, that, that I'd get to say my piece, um, however long that took. Um I just want to say I'm incredibly very, very, very proud of you, Paul, for seeing this through to the end. I know you went through a lot over the course of the past three and a half years, as you said, and there were pauses here and there. We uh, had a pandemic, <laughs> you know, and, and we're, we're still in the midst of that as we're recording this. Um, just obstacles at, at every turn. Sometimes getting uh, a guest wasn't always the easiest, and I and I recognize that. But that finale episode uh, that you did, I don't think a lot of people realize. Like Jake said, it was done over the course of, of several recording sessions. But even me, who has a history with um, editing audio and and things of that nature, I could I, I struggled to find a single edit point throughout the course of a seven hour podcast. You did that extremely well. And despite the fact that there were all those voices, um, nobody really repeated themselves. You know, it was all fresh perspective. Uh, I was never bored at all listening to the entire thing. Uh, it, it is, and, and there have been, I've mentioned this before, a lot of podcasts, some of them are still in the process, uh, but others have fizzled out where they have attempted not just lost, but other shows where, Oh, we're going to get through, you know, all the, every episode of this show. And, and they, they peter out after a season or two, you kept it going and, and you should be absolutely commend, commended for that. Committed um, for that too. I think, I, th I think you were about to say the word committed. And I feel like <laughs> some, sometimes I feel like I should have that jacket on and be committed for, for the uh, <laughs> right there in, in Santa Rosa next to Keith Johnson. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I just wanted to get all that out. Um, I also want to at least acknowledge. Now, the three of us originally met in 2014 in Hawaii for what was then called Lost 2014. It was a convention of Lost fans, 200 plus of us. Um, that is where a lot of the people who appeared on this show originally met. And even if they weren't there, they kind of 
trickled through through friends of a friend or something like that and then of course three years later we had what became the lost con um much smaller in scale but a lot of the same people and it went from there uh so obviously we have to acknowledge that without those things this podcast and a lot of friendships and friendships that i consider will be lifelong like so the, the people who I've met from those two cons are now people I talk to on an almost daily basis. And I, I think and hope we'll be friends for life. So I acknowledge that. On the other hand, <laughs> I really wish that the people who were behind Lost 2014 and the Lost Con would have shown this podcast knowing that, knowing that the people all came together because of that. I wish they would have given you a little more support. And this is me talking. This is Kevin Zane talking. Don't let this reflect on Paul. And he can cut this out if he wants. But I really wish those responsible for bringing us all together would have supported this venture and realized that all the work that went into it and the people that appeared on it. Like, just, you know, a little promo, you know, a little shout out here and there. And, and it was there in the, in the end, in the end, end, <laughs> years later, after the fact. Um, but I, ju- I just want to say that. And, and I, I want to thank you. I, before, I'm, I'm going to cut you off, Kev. I, I want to say, okay. and I've, I've, oh, you two know me so well. And I've had conversations with, with the two of you and I, I have on a, on a lot, a lot of things bitten my tongue. You brought it out of me, Kev. I'm going to say one thing. And this is, this is all I'm going to say on the topic because this is all expose. I, I don't think an episode ever went by where we didn't somehow mentioned something about the con in Hawaii. The same thing. Like <laughs> every episode. I mean that's every that's time, that's all I'm gonna say. That's guessed, all I'm gonna say. So met in Hawaii during Lost whichever one. And or how did you get involved with Lost twenty fourteen? How did you get involved with Lost twenty seventeen? Well back when we were in Hawaii, I every episode. Yep. That's all I'm gonna say. I don't think a time went by, an well, episode went by so. where it wasn't mentioned. Now that'd be a good mashup to do. Go back to every episode, <laughs> string together every clip, every mention. And don't oh, get boy. me wrong, I'm I'm incredibly like like Kevin said, I am incredibly grateful for everybody. And I've I said I've said it for several years. Jake is my best friend. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to share the information about what was asked of me. I don't, I don't want to say anything. Um, but you know. He, what was asked of you? From you. By me? Yeah. I, I was it about the wedding? Yes. <laughs> oh, please go for it. Because I get Kevin can probably add a little bit to that as well today. Yeah. Uh, Jake and I are, you know, like he is my best friend. And, and, you know, I know that I'm I'm one of his best friends as well. Like he literally asked me to be in his wedding. Like that's an, a huge honor for me. And so... And, you know, Kevin, uh, we talk, like you said, Kev, you know, you talk to people on a daily basis. 
I'm pretty sure we talk at least once a week or once every other week. Uh, you know, Jake and I talk multiple times a week. I talk with everybody. I was messaging with, with our friend Andrew er, literally earlier today and just on an off chance about something regarding England. Nothing regarding Lost or anything. It's just we talk and we all have. And, you know, all of those friendships were formed because of those cons. And I am forever grateful for that. And one more thing I am going to, again, you guys know me. I don't do this. I don't pat myself on the back. And I wouldn't say this if other people hadn't first. Some people have said this show, I don't want to say me, but this show, the podcast kind of helped our friend group, like become closer since 2014 especially leading into 2017 because that was the basis for doing this podcast was sort of because the original plan I think I've talked about it before the original plan was to have started in January and finished in October before the 2017 convention obviously things didn't go according to plan seeing as it's three and a half years later and we're, we're finally finishing it but that was the plan and I know some people have said that doing the podcast sort of helped bring them back into watching lost or into the, you know, the friend group or, or whatever. And I'm incredibly proud of that. Like I'm, I'm so proud of the fact that me saying I reached out to Mike, Jake, Megan and Esteban. And I think maybe one or two people who over the course of the show eventually appeared one way or another, but I reached out to like those people initially and was like, hey, I have this idea for this thing. I don't know what will come of it, whatever. Those four, they were on the very first four episodes, Mike, Megan, Jake, Esteban, in that particular order. They were gung-ho immediately, you know, and I am forever grateful for you four saying yes, obviously with Kevin coming in later. Uh, Andy and Andrew, I'm not going to go through the list of everybody. Most of them you heard in the finale. Um, but over 30 guests over the course of three and a half years, I am so incredibly uh, grateful and thankful for not only the cons, as we said, they were lost was the reason, but the cons were the reason that we sort of all, you know, found each other. So I am incredibly grateful for that. I'm not trying to take anything away from that, but you know, um, Kev said a lot, and I, I don't disagree with it at all. <laughs> and, and yeah, um, it's definitely brought us closer together, Paul. Uh, I guess it, it, that applies to pretty much everybody I've done episodes with, Jake included, and, and Esteban, and, and Liam, and Wayne, and Andy, like people who I might not have otherwise interacted with. Not that I have anything against them. You, you know, I, I just consider them all friends. And I actually have a list. I just want to give a shout out to this small group of people. Um, Bill, Pat, Mike, Andrew, Rosian, Dan, Steve, and Caleb. Uh, I was not able to appear on a show with any of them. And I, I regret that. I honestly wish I could have done more. Uh, I, I would have loved to have a discussion over any episode with any of those people. Um, and I actually wrote that list out at some point, probably around when you're recording season four or five and being like, okay, who do I need to get on the show with and, and talk about <laughs> doing a bingo card over there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and, and, and I've saved this. This note has been on my coffee table for all that time. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I did not get to cross off uh, any of those names. But I, I just want to shout them out, too. Even though I wasn't on the show with them, uh, they all hold a special place uh, in my heart. In especially being uh, I didn't get to see them or anyone in Hawaii uh, earlier this year in 2020. All of that being said, um, I feel like we were probably going to want to say some other like final things, but I feel like we can't even begin to get out of here without Jake dropping some knowledge on us from Lostpedia. I have at least one question, and I know Kev is going to do his thing where he tells us who wrote and directed this episode. I want to ask you guys the questions before we get into that very quickly. I want to ask you both the question, did you watch this when it leaked before the official box set came out? I had no idea it even leaked, actually. Uh, yeah, that was part of what I was going to get into in my closing notes, which I was debating even doing after all that meaningful talk to go back to this, you know, just episode notes, basically. Uh, but this epilogue was officially released on August 24th, 2010 when the lost complete series and season six dvd and blu-ray sets were released however as paul mentioned uh it was leaked on august 6th about two and a half weeks before it's the day before my birthday so yes i did watch it in nice full clear bootleg quality uh (laughs) as a little birthday present to myself i did watch it early yes what about you, Paul? I'm so I I want to say well I'm I'm 99 sure I did, but I want to say that I probably held off for a little bit because I kind of debated whether I did or didn't want to, but I also knew that whenever the finale was the the box that was came out on the 24th, right? Yep. Yeah, I didn't get mine until the 25th. Like, I ordered it, and whatever happened with shipping, it came one day after everybody else got theirs. So I think I may have downloaded it and watched it on the 24th, despite the fact that it came out that day. I don't remember. I know I watched it before I actually opened the box set, though. Yeah, I didn't actually end up getting my box set until much later. Like, like once I had seen The New Man in Charge, I wasn't rushing out to get the box set because I bought, you know, the big complete one which cost whatever it was 200 some dollars at the time oh yeah that's i that's what i have i have the complete thing like i i have it and and like the day that i got it i started popping the discs in and i'm just like i'm doing a rewatch (laughs) but uh because then i think and i'm probably jake i don't want to take away from jake's thunder here with his notes but i think the 24th is walt's birth correct yes yeah. So I remember when I was watching it right after the box that came out, I remember hearing that in like season one. I don't remember what episode it is, but in season one and being like, oh, hey, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Probably not, but that's kind of cool. Um, well, it was but yeah, I remember semi purposeful at least because they made a point to make August 24th the date on the teletype message. Yeah. Uh, so. You know, they knew it was going to be released on that day, and they made it that day in real time. Uh, Not only was it that, it was Walt's birthday. Just so happens. 
but I, I know. So I had a similar thing with uh, one of my other favorite shows, How I Met Your Mother, where at a certain, I think it was before the finale, I made the decision that I was going to buy the box set because my feeling before going into the finale was I like this show. Even if I don't like the ending, I like this show. I've stuck with it for a hundred something episodes with how I met your mother. I think it was 200 something episodes by that point, but I decided I like this show. So no matter how they end it, I'm going to buy it. And so it was, not long. I don't remember when they announced the box set coming out, but it was not long after that where I'm just like, I made sure that I had the money because I didn't have a job at the time. So I had to like figure out alternative ways to make money. No, because I know one of you is going to make the joke. No, I didn't sell any part of my body. Lame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I made sure that I had the money before I ordered it because I didn't want to like put it on like credit or be like, oh, hey, I'll pay you back or whatever to somebody. Um, but Yes, yeah, so it was – I did make sure that I – like, I knew I was going to buy it, but I, but I also wanted to get the big box set. And really, the reason I wanted the box set wasn't because, oh, the Senate game or, oh, the little pieces or the little scroll that you got. They said there was a bonus disc, which it took me forever to figure out how to open the damn thing. <laughs> to Like, you had to twist the thing. Like, oh, my gosh. took me. I almost ripped it. I, like, that's how badly I was like, how do you get this thing out? I had to Google it, actually. Yeah, I still, I I still struggled a little today because, honestly, <laughs> uh, I forgot whether the new man in charge was actually on the season six uh, bonus materials disc or on that hidden disc. So I actually went for the hidden disc first and realized, oh, shit, it's not on there. Uh, so, but the, there's but plenty, that bonus uh, disc. Yeah, there's plenty of content on that bonus disc, by the way. But that was that was the reason I went with the. Uh, with the box set because I was like, okay, so I could get all the seasons or I could get this, you know, the one with the bonus disc. And you know what, if I'm going to pay for it, I'm going to get the bonus disc. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I had already had seasons one through five all on Blu-ray at that point. And I was just like, all right, well, eventually I'm just going to bite the bullet and get the Blu-ray complete set. Just that, like you said, to have that bonus disc and have everything. So I was right. a uh, season by season DVD buyer, and my tradition was uh, because I was in uh, middle school and high school while Lost was out because I'm young, and uh, the tradition was I would get the DVD. You know, they they came out usually they they all came around out around August, but I would wait until actually the day after Christmas because I'd be on Christmas break, and so I would binge that that season during my little winter break there. And I said, well, the epilogues on this, you know, DVD, there's no way in hell I'm waiting until December to watch this thing. So I rushed out of school, went to Best Buy, which is where I always bought my lost DVDs, got it, rushed home, watched the epilogue. And then probably 30 minutes later, I had to rush to work. So I didn't really get a lot of time to to think a lot about it. But I knew I was just, I mean, so freaking excited to get a little bit more lost in my life. That's my... uh, epilogue watching story there <laughs> yeah i was very excited when this was uh originally released or leaked in, in in my case uh just to get that little bit more you know i wanted to see hurley and walt and whatever was going on um i don't know if it didn't it wasn't as impactful to me watching it back today and i don't know if that's because i've already 
put into my head, you know, all of this canon from the story. Like I knew what was going to happen now. It's it's never as impactful as it as it is watching it for the first time. Right. Um, well, so follow up, Jake. I want to ask: Did you not know that it leaked, or were you just not like a download person? Or, uh, I'm, well, I'm both actually. Curious. So uh, I was on Dark UFO, and I remember there were tons of rumors about what the heck was even going to be on this epilogue, and most of them ended up being completely wrong. But I had never actually seen like, oh, hey, it's out. You could watch it now. I, I don't recall seeing that, nor do I know if I would have actually watched it, knowing that it maybe it wasn't going to be the best quality or anything like that. I think I would have just waited. I mean, what the so, you know, I'm seeing on Lostpedia it was August 6th that the epilogue got leaked the 24th when it would have been officially released. I don't know. I think I would have been very torn about do I w- want to watch this now or just wait a couple weeks. I, I, I don't know what I would have that done. That was me. Yeah, I don't know what I would have done. Uh, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, this thing was only how many minutes? You know, 11, 12 minutes. So I, I, I have a feeling I would have ended up folding and downloaded early. But I had no idea it had even leaked back then. So, yeah. And so you said about dark UFO and, and like things. So, uh, you know, uh, um, you know, just how, oh, this is what's going to be in there or whatever. I remember having read something. I don't know if it was from dark UFO or what, because some of those sites that were back then, I don't even remember the names of them, but I remember there being something where one of the, the sort of, it was like, oh, here's a synopsis of what, what's going to happen. And I remember like being like, okay, do I click on this or do I not? (laughs) And I ended up doing it, but what it said was how um, the ghost of John Locke walked up and sat with somebody on the beach and started, like, explaining different things. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> the one I And then that didn't happen. Was like <laughs> Vincent finding Jack's dead body. <laughs> well, not, I guess, finding. He was already, he was already with, with Jack. Him, but, like either like bringing like a somebody to him or like, you know, having a body part. I remember that uh, quote unquote spoiler, you know, like a uh, supposed spoiler happening is that there was going to be something with Vincent and Jack's dead body. Yeah. Foxy wouldn't do this though. He didn't even want to do the rest of the show as it was. Very true. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was the that was the main question, you know, with regards to um, it being leaked and and watching it that I wanted to ask. Uh, but I know you both, when you come to to do these, I know you guys both have sort of your uh, little areas of expertise. So I will yield the floor to the two of you. I don't know who wants to go first, but I will yield the floor to uh, the two of you so you can give us the uh, production notes lostpedia notes however you guys want to do that i got one little piece of trivia uh because we've sprinkled the rest throughout this uh podcast but the folder that ben takes out and you know goes through the dvds that's actually the season five dharma initiative orientation kit dvd uh thing that he flips through i guess you can actually see like uh i actually got this from one of the cancer gets lost auctions but there's like a spot where there's some Dharma patches, uh, some of the sleeves with the season five discs. You can actually see them kind of as Ben's flipping through kind of quickly. That's all I got. 
and I kind of wish I had that. Like, you know, it's, it would be redundant, especially being as I have the complete set. But I know there were some cool individual season, uh, like limited edition sets like that that they put out, and unfortunately, I don't have any of those. Um, for me, uh, from my notes, and let me just say, part of the reason uh, that I did not appear on the finale episode is because I was down to one piece of paper in my notebook that I've used for every episode <laughs> that we recorded. So I knew I had to preserve that last piece of paper, uh, for the new man in charge. And I can now retire this notebook to the archives. Uh, however, uh, directed by Paul Edwards, surprisingly not, uh, Jack Bender or Stephen Williams, but, uh, Paul Edwards has been with the show since season one. Uh, and, only Bender and Williams have directed more episodes than uh, Paul Edwards. He has since gone on to do some Once Upon a Time, Sleepy Hollow, uh, Gotham, many others. Uh, three writers on this uh, little, what is it, would you say? It's about 12 minutes um, that we've now gone over two hours discussing somehow. Um, written by uh, Melinda Sue Taylor. She co-wrote four episodes of Lost and moved on to uh, Vampire Diaries, The Gifted, etc. Uh, Graham Rowland co-wrote three season six episodes and then moved on to uh, 13 episodes of Fringe. And uh, he also created the, uh, we've talked about him before, he created uh, the Jack Ryan show on Amazon Prime. And Jim Galasso uh, co-wrote two season six episodes uh, and has only worked on Beyond and Hawaii Five-0 uh, since. So that is it. That's me closing this notebook. So it's interesting that you said uh, Paul Edwards directed it. And of course, it's very interesting, of course, that it's not Damon, Carlton, and Jack Bender, uh, sort of as you pointed out, and we've sort of discussed over this. Um, and it wasn't even uh, Eddie and Adam doing this presumably because they had kind of sort of already moved on to developing once upon a time i would i would guess um but uh the fact that it was writers like you said um that worked primarily in season six and and whatever and obviously damon carlton jack eddie and adam would have had their you know fingerprints sort of all over i mean this is their Um, it just wasn't technically them who did it right But uh, the fact that you said it's Paul Edwards kind of was interesting to me because you said about Jack Bender and Stephen Williams. And I think we've mentioned it on the podcast before how Stephen Williams, who, like you said, was the, the, you know, had the second most director credits. He didn't work on season six. And I always found found that odd. And I've never found an answer as to why he left one season before the show ended. Um, but he was sort of in terms of the director side of the show and sort of the um, production in Hawaii side. Obviously, it was um, Jack Bender and Gene Higgins were sort of the, the two top producers on the actual production side. Uh, and then uh, Williams was the you know second most credited director and, you know, overseeing that sort of or, you know, helping to oversee that. So the fact that the guy who 
presumably moved up into that spot did get this. I think that's kind of interesting that even though Bender did the finale, sort of this, the, at that point, the second highest in the director's chair did get to do uh, this epilogue. We deserve answers. <laughs> that's all I got to say. Um, so I don't know if we have, uh, anything else to say about new man in charge lost itself lost with friends, the podcast. I I mean, because you both know, not only could we talk for hours about lost, we could probably just keep riffing on this <laughs> and the experiences that we've had as friends. And, you know, I'm going to do a little plug here before the final thing. If you want to hear some of those experiences that aren't necessarily loss related, we do another show called Paul and all. I have had these guys on before many times to come in the future as well. So you can hear some of those stories. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I just want to say once again, I've said it many times to you both on mic and off, and this isn't, just to you two it's to everyone who's been on the show and who has listened to the show i am so appreciative of you guys for taking the time to do this and i know andy cornforth gets on my case all the time because i always refer to lost as a silly tv show but when push comes to shove kev has mentioned it a few times we're in the middle of a pandemic in the world as of this recording like it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon and when it does you know the world is going to be a completely different place than it was before but um you guys have always taken the time to come on and talk about this silly little tv show and everybody who's listened has taken the time to listen to all of us discuss this silly little tv show because in the grand scheme of things really as much as it has brought us together whatever that's what it is and i say that with the absolute love that i have for lost obviously but that's realistically what it is. So the fact that you guys have felt so strongly about it to be on here and, and everything I have nothing but endless love for the two of you and for everybody else who's ever been involved, whether it was being on an episode or listening to an episode or even sharing a, you know, Facebook or Twitter post or whatever. So thank you endlessly. I don't know if you guys have anything else um, that you want to say, I know we said a bunch of stuff earlier. We got, we got very, uh, sappy and, and whatever, but if you guys want to say anything else, um, you know, feel free, uh, before we sort of kick it to the, uh, the, you know, where can they find you parts? I, I just want to say again, thank you, Paul. I've thanked you before. I, I want to thank you again. And, and you're right. Uh, it is a silly little TV show, but it's a silly little TV show that changed my life. And and there's no hyperbole in me saying that because it has brought me experiences and friendships that I would not have had without it. So I can't say enough. You know, I echo those sentiments there. It, just plain and simple. Thank you. Um, I, thank you for, for starting this thing, seeing it all the way through, getting us all together, keeping this silly little show, whether you want to call it silly little, fantastic, awesome, whatever you want to use to describe it, keeping it alive uh, through these podcasts and then keeping the, the friendships and the relationships that have been built alive as well through these episodes. 
and um, yeah, I, I can't believe it's wrapping up here. <laughs> you know, it's just. Uh, I don't know. It's been such a constant. If you can't tell, I'm kind of trying to drag it out because I don't want it to end. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, they say there's only one constant in life that's change, but this show, and and by this show, I mean Lost with Friends, has been uh, a constant for quite some time, and uh, it's lasted a lot longer than a lot of my relationships. So, <laughs> um, gosh darn it! I love well, it. yeah, Jake. I mean, how many you you mentioned about getting married? I I've often joked that you know you've been married to me, you know, in a relationship with me longer than you've been in a relationship with your fiance. That's you know? true, and I want um, that kind of goes with the podcast as well. You said this show. I was gonna say it started in when twenty seventeen, January. Uh, the I believe if I remember correctly, my plan I tried to get it out on January eighth. 2015 or 2017 sorry because for us here in the states that would have been 108 Uh, um so that was the that was the i tried i was having a difficult time with uploading it to youtube because that's where this (laughs) show started we've gone from youtube to soundcloud to apple to spotify to patreon like we've gone everywhere with this show nonetheless it started well (laughs) before my my current relationship with my fiance so you're right the Longer than uh, longer than that relationship. Um, Kevin said it. The, this, the, you know, lost changed my life. Uh, I said it before. This podcast saved my life, and and I, I much like Kevin, I, I mean no, no hyperbole when I say either of those things. Um, gave me some of my best friends, and yeah, I, I can't. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to just before I just keep rambling, I'm going to kick it to you guys. Uh, where can they um, find you guys all over the Internet? You can find me Instagram, uh, Twitter, Snapchat at Jake LCE, Facebook, Jacob Woken. I'm, I'm friends with Paul, friends with Kevin following clock shelves. So you can you can find me through there. And actually, some people have. Uh, I was just telling Paul the other day that uh, some of you guys have reached out and that's awesome because just because this show ends and Lost with Friends ends, I should say, doesn't mean Lost ends. Let's keep the conversation going. Lost will never die. Yeah, likewise. uh, I sometimes get random friend requests and I don't – I'm not always quick to uh, accept them, but then when I uh, check the profiles and I see that, oh, you know, a couple um, of our mutual friends are are Losties or their profile pics have something to do with Lost, I I always approve those people uh, and I appreciate them. Uh, All of you other creeps, though, are getting blocked. Anyway... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for my losty friends uh, and anyone listening to this show, uh, feel free across uh, all forms of social media, basically, uh, at 7th Power. Spell it out. Replace the V with a 7. Um, I normally have a pre-record, but I'm going to do it live now. Uh, for me, you could find me on Twitter and Instagram at JPGRB. You can follow my secondary Instagram at jpcs.pics. I do a picture of something every day. Sometimes it's food. At a certain point, I was doing the various t-shirts that I have. Um, but yeah, I always try to post a picture a day and give like a little 
sort of journal entry, I suppose, of what was going through my head that day or whatever. Um, for Clock Shelves, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Clock Shelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. You can support us by following us there, sharing our stuff, or throw some dough if you choose to do so at patreon.com slash clockshelves. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S. For this episode and links to the other podcasts that we do, including, as I mentioned, Polynol, uh, Wrestling Renegades, one that we used to do, MCU and Me, the central hub for everything, including more info about everybody you've heard here today, clockshelves.com. That's C-L-O-C-K-S-H-E-L-V-E-S dot C-O-M. Guys, I'm not going to stretch it out anymore. I'm going to say thank you so much for being on here. Thank you for doing this, not just this episode, but this podcast series. It, it truly means a lot. It sounds like I'm crying. I'm really not. I am welling up to a certain extent, but I'm not actually on the verge of tears uh, just yet. But I feel like if we kept this going at a certain point, I would probably break down. Um, so before we get there, I will uh, end, end, I suppose, yeah, end, with the traditional, been, since episode two, the traditional, thank you, namaste, and good luck. <laughs>